What's up carnivores? This is Carnivore Kurt, your host, and I'm really excited to have you here. Welcome to the channel. I'm super excited. My name is Carnivore Kurt. Carnivore Kurt. I'm gonna be your host. All right, carnivores, just jump right into it. The number one key to doing the carnivore diet, I've really transformed both how I feel, look, just experience life. And I think that the carnivore diet is a tremendously powerful tool for a lot of individuals who are suffering from anxiety, autoimmune Share it with someone who's interested in the carnivore diet. Let's spread the word, let's get this out to people. Let's help others understand more about this and see the bigger picture. Guys, that was a score. Score one for the carnivores. On this video, we're gonna talk about four mistakes that I think people are still making on the carnivore diet going into 2020. These are mistakes that I learned personally for myself from researching and writing my book that I released a couple weeks back, from reading The Carnivore Code by my good buddy, Dr. Paul Saladino, Sean Baker's book, The Carnivore Diet, and also just from personal experience in interacting more and more with the community. So these are the four mistakes that I think are really the big ones people make. You can reference that video I put together where we did four mistakes that people are making on the carnivore diet. And this one's rehashed. It's a little bit changed up, so you're gonna see some new stuff, but I think it's gonna be really valuable and it's gonna give you some great insight into how to avoid these booby traps and do the carnivore diet in the optimal way. So in the previous version of this video, I said, that there were really four mistakes that people are making. And I think these are pretty accurate for the majority of us. The first one is they're not getting enough fat. The second one was about not getting enough electrolytes. The third was burning your food. This one I'm actually gonna toss out of the list. And finally, it was cheating while you're traveling. Let's get into the meat of this video and let's talk about the four revised mistakes that people make that I think we can really avoid with some basic planning and some thoughts. So number one is getting enough fat. I still think this is a huge mistake and I think it is unfortunate that people in the community aren't really focusing on this or spreading this message because there is so much good quality fat out there and it makes a big difference from a longevity perspective and a performance perspective. We have seen many people thrive with ketogenic diets in terms of weight loss, mental performance, and just stable energy. And we're also seeing in research that when you're in a fat-heavy diet, a fat-adapted diet that's low-carbohydrate, you can activate certain longevity genes like FOXO3 and the sirtuins, and it's metabolically less oxidative to your body. Your body utilizes oxygen better. So being fat-adapted is a really great way to run when you're using the carnivore diet. And when you're on the carnivore diet and you are fat adapted, you're gonna benefit from a lot of things. The challenge is, and this is a big mistake for people, is they're loading up their meals with oils, with butter, with cheeses, eating cooked foods in different ways that's kind of messing with the whole diet. And it's it's messing with their gut and it's not making the food as bioavailable and as, as sort of uh, tolerable for them to consume. So adding in proper fat, is one of the best ways you can get around this mistake that people commonly make. And the way you can do it is by first understanding your macro content. So for fat, we really wanna think about probably that 70 to 30% macro content. So 70% of your calories coming from fat, 30% from protein. This is gonna fit the vast majority of people that go into the carnivore diet. Some people will want more protein, especially if you're highly athletic or you're just severely malnourished on protein and other people are gonna need less protein if they're maybe a little bit less athletic 
and they're dealing more with maybe long-standing metabolic health issues around weight loss or disease and diabetes, for example, and they want to just bump up their fat intake, really drop their insulin levels, and just focus on getting heavily fat adapted and just focus on that. So how do you do this? Well, one, you got to understand your macro content. And the way you do that is through either maybe doing journaling or getting a tracker. And I've, I've put a video out on how to macro track. The process is pretty much free. Yes, it takes some learning. It does take a little bit of brain power to kind of incorporate that process and learn that concept. But overall, you're going to do fine. It's not overly complicated. It's not rocket science. My grandmother could learn how to macro track at 75. You can learn how to macro track with just a few basic practices and just some basic coaching. So there's a video. I explain the whole step. You have to download one app. Then you have to learn to enter some of the foods and then it's pre-saved and you can just learn this process. Then you get a scale and it's very simple. If you don't want to macro track, you can still get away with this and still not make this mistake by just consciously adding a lot of fat to your meals. And as long as you can sort of get a feel for it and eyeball it, you're probably going to do just fine. So the other aspect is just eyeballing the fat intake and doing it proper. And a big key to this is getting the right sources of fat. If you are eating a lot of oils, a lot of rendered melted fat, if you're drinking all that pork fat off the pork belly, it's going to be disaster pants. It's going to cause gut issues. You're not going to feel that good on it. It's going to give you more of a histamine load. It's probably not going to be optimal. If you get raw fat, things like egg yolks, things like suet, things like fat trimmings, you are going to thrive. If you focus on the fattier cuts of meat and eating the fat caps on those meats and organ meats like thymus, sweetbreads, these are very fatty cuts of, of animal foods that are going to give you a good balance. A lot of times with, with a ribeye that's grass-fed, it's going to give you probably 50-60% of the fat to protein caloric intake that you need. And just adding in some egg yolks without the whites or adding in some fat trimmings from either a high quality pork that's pastured that you know is the source in the, the diet of that animal or beef fat is going to do you wonders and keep you really balanced on this. But you've got to add adequate fat and you really want to focus on that. If you don't get enough fat, you're missing out on the, the micronutrients within the fat that the animal will store within their fat that is not in the muscle meat. And again, you're not making it as optimal for your body to stay in that fat adapted state. Number two, electrolytes. And this is an interesting one because there are many electrolytes that we can think of. The big one though that we really want to talk about and what I talked about in the last video was sodium. So sodium in general has been demonized by epidemiology, the, the study of groups of correlation. But when we look at interventional trials and we look at what sodium does for humans and what the mechanism is, sodium in and of itself isn't necessarily the demon here. And I recommend a book like The Salt Fix by Dr. James D. Nicolantonio. The, the thing here is sodium is a really big mineral for us in our bodies, especially when we're eating a fat-adapted carnivore diet or just a fat-adapted ketogenic diet. Sodium allows your body to balance the other electrolytes. It's a key mineral that we need in order to balance the fluid in our cells. When you don't consume sodium, for a lot of people, myself included, I experience really bad muscle cramping. I notice fatigue. I get keto flu-like symptoms. And the idea that sodium triggers hypertension, high blood pressure, it's, it's not the case when you look at the studies and you actually separate out the data. Of course, historically, people who were 
given information that sodium was bad for their blood pressure and their health that abstained from it were also the same people that were conscious to exercise, to not smoke, to limit their consumption of less healthy known foods like fried foods and fast foods and things like that. But when we look at people who eat a very whole food diet, eat a high quality sodium like Red, Redmond Real Sea Salt or a Himalayan sea salt that's cleaner, we see that you get benefits. You get really good benefits in terms of reductions in cramping, balancing of electrolytes, and it's really important to have sodium in your body. So sodium is key. The other thing I'll mention is calcium is another big one. Where do we get that? We get that in the bones and we get that in mineral water. So I personally used to filter all my water. Now I focus on drinking spring water. As an ancestral consistency, we probably drank mostly spring water, maybe some rainwater from time to time, but there's minerals in these waters in where they were stored, whether it was in lakes or uh, streams, in, in what they got from the ground and, and what they passed into our bodies. And so I would recommend getting a spring water or trace minerals to add to your water if you're doing a filtered water, but you're not going to get nearly the amount of minerals you need alone from tap water. So you want to add in mineral water because it's going to bring a lot of calcium. It's going to add in magnesium. And this is probably some of the main sources of minerals we got. It's going to balance with your mood. It's going to help with your overall body's molecular systems. And it's really a big thing. One thing to note, there is a very small percentage of people who may have pre-existing conditions around diabetes, kidney failure, CKD, or hypertension. Please talk to your doctor before you go and start trucking in the loads of sodium, but this is a very small percentage of people. It should not be the general. For most people, sodium is not the enemy, and it's going to be good to add in four to 10 grams of sodium a day, table salt a day, um, to your regimen where you're going to be getting you know, four to six, four to eight grams of sodium to your body. Now, in the original video on the four mistakes, on the four mistakes, I mentioned that the HCAs and PAHs, the Heterocyclic amines and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons. Heterocyclic amines and polycyclic aromatic aromatic hydrocarbons were something that was carcinogenic and toxic, and something we should really, really worry about and be avoiding. And I want to sort of update that and say that for the most part, I don't think this is nearly as big of a a mistake that people are making as this third point. I think it's something to be mindful of, and I think. When we look at rodent models, when we dose rodents at extremely high amounts of charred meats and charring and these compounds, they can be carcinogenic. But for the most part, the vast majority of people grilling your steaks, it's not going to give you the amounts that we saw in these rodent models where they led to um, serious damages and worry. Now, my personal preference is to cook my food rare. It preserves B vitamins and water-soluble nutrients in the meats. I like my meat rare. It tastes better to me, but I do like to grill it and have some sort of cooking experience on the surface of the meat. It makes it more palatable and I find it more delicious. So with that third point, I just want to correct it and say that I don't think it's a huge mistake and I'm going to replace that third point with a new third point, which is to say that a lot of people are making this mistake of eating dairy. Dairy is such a triggering food for people, and it is in so many of our foods. I suspect a lot of the keto products on the market, as well as the processed market foods, has trace amounts or even substantial amounts of dairy. 
cheese, unfortunately, milk, unfortunately, pretty much all these products that are made with the, with this dairy in it is going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. And I think this is one of the biggest mistakes you're gonna make on a carnivore diet or even a keto diet for that matter, really any diet. I think dairy is something that ancestrally humans would consume during our massive hyper growth needed phase when we were infants and when we were babies and when we needed to consume massive calories. But as we got older, dairy was a lot less necessary and is not something we see probably beyond the last 20 or 30,000 years of our evolution that we consumed regularly. A lot of dairy can trigger our immune system and there are proteins in dairy, specifically beta casomorphine, which activates opioid pathways, which, which numb our satiety signaling, meaning that we, we kind of get doped up like opium. It's actually very similar to the molecule morphine and it numbs our signaling that we're full, which makes sense if you're a baby where maybe you need to be sleeping a lot you need to be more uh, and consuming a lot more nutrients. But in these cases, we also see that these molecules can be triggering to our immune system as adults. In addition, dairy has a lot of carbohydrates combined with fats. It's one of the most unique native foods in nature where you see carbs and fats together. And when you see that along with this beta casomorphine molecule, that combination can really affect satiety and really add to weight gain. So unless your goals are to be aggressively putting on weight and you're not worried about body fat being accumulated, I think dairy is something to be very watchful of because not only is it gonna probably lead to that because that's pretty much what it was designed to do by nature, but it's also gonna to lead to a lot of potential immune triggering factors, even the A2 variant of protein. So I'll just add that there's been several studies done where dairy has been linked to cardiovascular disease, type one diabetes, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and even in mental health cases, they've done trials where they've looked at schizophrenics and they've reduced symptoms and mental health and mental disease and illness by removal of dairy. So dairy is something to be very mindful of. Now, I'm not saying you can't eat dairy. I think the point I'm trying to make here is it is a mistake to think that it's harmless and that it should be included on the carnivore diet as a staple. It should be something to be indulged in from time to time, not something to be considered a regular go-to. And I think even for myself included personally, when I go to ghee, like clarified butter, which is probably one of the most, you would think one of the most safe things, grass-fed organic ghee, I still experience bloating, I experience gut issues, I experience triggering from that food. So I highly recommend to be very mindful of dairy if you're having any of these issues and just note that if your goals are weight loss, uh, reduction in your immune system, down signaling there, and your priorities are outweighed by the, the short-term pleasure you might be getting from indulging in the dairy, it's probably a food to really consider leaving out of your regimen. And this leads me to the final fourth point, which is cheating while traveling. I, I know this one's tough. Traveling is kind of like this vacation we go on to escape our regimen. Um, and I think it's great and it's, it's a lot of fun. That's, I think, part of why it makes it so much fun. We mix everything up, we get some variety. I've talked about this in some of the podcasts I've been on, some of the other videos I've made. I think human beings have a unique sort of drive to experience variety in our lives. And one of the things I, I want to emphasize though is in what I've said before is that we don't need to make variety destructive to our, our overall pillars of our health, which is 
We don't need to mix up our workout, our sleep, our food in massive ways that can be disruptive and negative to us. And with just a bit of planning, a very small amount of planning, most of us can stay on course with the carnivore diet and really prevent some real kind of tough recovery work, if you will, that will happen if you go off plan. So I wanna give you a few tips here within this element because I think it's really powerful. And if you are on the channel and you're subscribed, you probably just saw that I just put out a video on how to cheat, which I really just talk about how to like indulge in uh, certain foods in a way where you're not too, too destructive in ways you can mitigate the damage. Overall idea here though is that one, it's a big mindset thing. Two, when we can control and condition ourselves in a good way to support our overall health and vitality, to support our optimal experience in life, I think our travel will be even better. Imagine traveling, feeling completely rested, being 100% clear-minded, being like emotionally fit and, and physically healthy and fueled without all the disruption that's going into the stresses your body's taking on just from the sheer effects of traveling in general, which is changing up your routine and your sleep environment. There's so much that you can do there. And so there's a few things I wanna share right now. One, plan. Look, it takes a few moments of planning to prepare for this, okay? If you know you're gonna be gone for a long time, think about ordering ahead of time from places like US Wellness Meats or White Oak Pastures to ship in some food for you. The luxury we have of today's society to actually go to these sites, order high quality food that is reasonably priced and get it sent to the destination you're going to. Look at technology in, in places like Amazon Prime now. Oftentimes, I did a video on this where I was traveling, I was in a hotel with my, my team and I was at a conference for a week and we primed now a foreman grill which we cooked food in our bathroom, and then we brought in and we primed out steaks, we primed out hot dogs that were grass-fed, grass-finished. We, we had all these foods that we were able to kind of just bring to the hotel, and then we were able to eat there and stay on plan. If you have more freedom and you're traveling and you're able to kind of stop where you're going, I usually will try to go hit a local Whole Foods and grab Vital Farms pastured organic eggs. Egg yolks from them can give me great vitamins great fat macros, organic grass-fed hot dogs. They have those at Whole Foods or health food stores in a local area where you're going. And oftentimes the hot dogs are gonna give you a 70, 75% fat caloric macro. So you're staying very ketogenic with those. You can pack vacuum sealed fats like suet and beef fat trimmings. Those things will keep, and you can create liver jerky, organ meat jerkies to take with you on your trip. Oftentimes those, you can put them in a, in a baggie or a, a jar and you can keep those stored and it allows you to eat those unique food items without worrying about cooking them up or having to find a place that's gonna carry them in the destination that you're going. But you still get to stay on plan. And then lastly, I'll say you can even add in things like ancestral supplements where you can take these cold desiccated organs and unique foods to keep your micronutrients coming in say if you can't get access to liver or you don't make liver jerky or you just don't wanna pack that. It can be a temporary solution that can help mitigate the absence of these micronutrients. But again, the main point here is there's a lot of ways to go about traveling on the carnivore diet and staying there. The big part of it is just planning and having the mindset that you're actually, it's not that difficult to stay on plan. If you go out to dinner, you can order meats. You can ask them to leave the seasoning and all the sides. That is always an option. Almost any restaurant will do that for you. 
And if you're going to a steakhouse, a lot of steakhouses now will offer grass-fed cuts, which I highly recommend because of their much better nutritional profile and supporting the environment and the overall sustainability of that type of method for the animal foods. So that was quite a bit of content. And I'm gonna wrap this up again, just kind of rehashing what we said here. Not getting enough fat, making sure you have your electrolytes dialed in, probably tossing out the dairy and really just dialing in your travel routine. If you're someone who li likes to travel a lot, is traveling, doing a bit of planning there. But I think with all of this, you can avoid these four common mistakes and you can really thrive as a carnivore and stay more consistent. And then you can plan, as I talked about in that cheating video on how to cheat, you can plan for calculated indulgences and maybe take some of those tips to really help you hack those indulgences. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be something where you're at the mercy of a diet that you can't maintain. So if you made it this far, thank you very much for watching. If you're new to the channel, hit that subscribe button. Drop me a like, drop me a comment. Let me know what kind of tips or mistakes you think are biggest for people that are on the carnivore diet. Maybe I missed something or you just find that one of these tips isn't quite as big as something else. I'd love your feedback. I really appreciate it. Drop a comment in there. And if you found this useful, share it with some friends. And if you're new to the carnivore diet and you wanna learn more, I am a big fan of my book. It's been getting great feedback. We have links in the video description. Go check it out, learn about it. It's an excellent resource that has a ton of all of the content we put out on YouTube channel in one place that's very digestible in this style where I try to kind of make it more simple for people to digest and stay engaged. Thank you so much for watching. Let's get optimized.